And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them, your bodies, be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. I am a holiness preacher. I've struggled with starting with that statement because right there, so many of you have experienced different kinds of things in different kinds of churches, and I run the risk of you shutting down right there. So I beg of you, even as hard as it may be because of the past, to please hear me out this morning. I am a holiness preacher. Holiness not by a world's definition, but by Scripture's definition. If you study across Scripture, you will find that holiness can be succinctly summed up as the quality of being chosen and set apart by God. It's a status that comes because God chose you. As you already saw in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 2, it is a process. And so Hebrew speaks of it as a pursuit of holiness. And that pursuit of holiness is the desire to be owned by God. It's the desire to return to holy in all of our being, to holy being his creation. Our bodies are central to our being because we were created physical creatures. I know that there's coming a time when we will have a different body and 
frankly, I'm not sure what that even looks like or how that operates. But in our current existence, when our body ceases to exist, when it ceases to function, we die. We are physical creatures. If you study out everything that Scripture tells us to do related to holiness, it becomes very quickly apparent that holiness is about our physical existence. It's about our bodies. Holiness is what we see. Holiness is what we hear. Holiness is what we think. Holiness is what we do with our bodies. How we dress and undress our bodies. This is why the Apostle Paul appeals to the Romans to give their bodies to God. A holy sacrifice. For too long, holiness has been presented as a list of rules to be obeyed. And I am quite sure that almost every single person in the sound of my voice today and those who are perhaps watching online and will watch in the future, you've had some kind of exposure to somebody standing for holiness and inadvertently, whether intentionally or unintentionally, resorting to a list of rules. I am a holiness preacher. I am not an abuser. To every single person that is here, that you have felt the weight of a man or a woman who perhaps even with right intent in a desire to lead you towards God exercised holy authority in an unholy manner. I am sorry. But I need you to separate that being a holiness preacher does not equal being an abuser. In fact, every act of abuse is by its very definition unholy. Holiness as Paul writes to the Romans, is about the transformation of our thinking, not the conforming of our actions. Obedience alone produces conformity. You can obey a set of rules, comply with standards, or laws, 
and not be transformed. If you'll put up my title slide. Today, I'm not here to talk to you about getting in line. Today, I'm not here to talk to you about conforming. I'm here to talk to you about transformation. Because transformation is not just compliance. It's a change of the very composition or structure of our being. In other words, as transformation occurs, the consequent actions do not come from conformity, but they come from our very being. They're not us responding to some external force, but they are expressing our very being. When it comes to holiness, conformity is about the exterior obedience to rules. But when it comes to holiness, transformation is about different external choices based not on rules, but on the internal change of our very being. Holiness is a call by God to reject the thinking of the world and to embrace his thinking. Perhaps Eugene Peterson's translation, the message, will help somebody hear it from another angle. Romans 12, 1 through 2, here's how he put it. So here's what I want you to do, Paul said. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life. You're sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life. And place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. As our thinking changes, our actions change. As you think different, you act different. As you think different, 
you will by definition change what you look at. As you think different, you will change what you listen to. As I think different, I will then change what I meditate or think about, what I focus upon. As I change my thinking, I will change what I do with my body. I will change how I think about my body. I will change how I dress my body. I will change where, when, how, and with whom I would even undress my body. Thinking being changed leads to actions being changed. Actions are simply the symptoms of our thinking. You can't treat symptoms. You have to treat cause. I am a holiness preacher. And this is a holiness church. And we are not abusers. You are safe here because I am a holiness preacher. And this is a holiness church. You are loved here because I am a holiness preacher. And this is a holiness church. To the extent that there is anything right going on in this church, it's because we are holy. It's because God has chosen us. It's because God has set us apart. It's because God is transforming the way we think, which is changing how we act. Any kindness you feel, any love that is expressed, any respect of diversity that we are able to achieve, all of the things that define this space, that I would argue that the vast majority of you are here because of it. It's not here because we're not holy. It's here because we are pursuing holiness. Not a single person within the sound of my voice is in and of themselves a good person. We are all, in one way or another, liars and cheats, selfish and bigoted, prejudiced, small-minded. We all have our pasts. Our past hurts, our past pain, and we take it out on one another. To the extent we're not doing that, to the extent that we're being kind, to the extent that we're forgiving, to the extent that we're loving, it's because holiness is working among us. I am a holiness preacher, and this is a holiness church. And we are not abusers.
We are collectively being transformed by rejecting the thinking of the world and embracing the thinking of God. We've chosen to think about one another in God's terms, not ours. We've chosen to treat one another in God's way, not our way. We've chosen to be vulnerable to one another because of God, not because of us. We reach across divides. We break down barriers. We struggle because God is working in us. He's causing us to think differently than the world. This is holiness. Changed thinking. Changed thinking. Changed thinking about our bodies. Changed thinking about what we hear. Changed thinking about what we see and what we dwell upon and think, what we do. Changed thinking about how we dress and undress our bodies. You are not my biological children. But for this season, you are all my spiritual children. This morning I come to you, I speak to you as I do literally my own biological children. Because as for them, the same for you. I want nothing but good for you. I want a future full of hope. But today, I and the pastoral team are deeply burdened because some of you have become comfortable with your pastor being holy. Some of you are happy for the pastoral team to be holy. Some of you are okay that the leadership of the church is holy. In fact, even if you haven't realized that you value the safety and the love and the care that comes from the ongoing work of the Spirit in our lives, transforming the way we think and causing us to reject the thinking of the world and embrace the thinking of God. But you, and each person here, you have to judge whether these words apply to you and in what manner. Some of you have paused your transformation. You're good with me, man, holy. You're good with the pastoral team being holy. You're good with leadership being holy, but, but you have placed limits upon areas of your thinking that you will allow to be changed. And I understand that for many of you, these limitations may have in fact come from bad teaching. Teaching that was abusive. 
or teaching that was rules-based rather than relationship and transformed thinking-based. And so you've come here and you've heard us say, the Bible and only the Bible. You've liked it. You've come here and you've felt our love and our care and our, our burden to serve you. And you've liked it. But you've drawn a wrong conclusion that just because we will not command you, just because we will not lord ourselves over you, and just because we will respect your privacy and we will respect your individual ability to choose, you have wrongly concluded that you don't have to be transformed. And so I have struggled. I've written lessons to lay before you the principles Plant the seeds. Praying that you would allow those seeds to be planted. But somehow, some of you have put a pause. Because every Sunday when you come here, you feel the presence of an almighty God who loves you. Because there are those of us who are pursuing holiness. But today, you all have to pursue holiness. I'm glad that you're not hypocrites. I'm glad that I have convinced you to be who you are. But that, that's not an excuse to pause God's call to shift your thinking to his way of looking at the world and thereby your actions. I'm between a rock and a hard place. Because doctors know what is wrong with a patient not based upon the root cause. But based upon symptoms. But they don't treat the symptoms. They by reason of use and experience and training recognize symptoms and match them back to the root cause.
And because the enemy of our soul is trying to cause us to be cut off from the holy God who loves us. As soon as I talk to you about symptoms, there's the risk that you're going to immediately revert back to a wrong way of looking at it, a way that so many of us have been hurt by. Pastors finally laying down the law. What I've been waiting for, for all of the time I've been coming here, is finally happening. I'm getting the rules. No. If you have blood in your stool, something's wrong with your intestines. If you cough up blood, something's wrong with your lungs. If you get constant nosebleeds that won't stop, something's wrong with your blood clotting. If you can't walk or feel your legs, Something's wrong with your spinal cord. If you can't see, something's wrong with your eyes or your brain. What we look at, what we listen to, what we do, and how we dress, They are all symptoms of where we are at in this process of a God who loved you so much and loved me so much that he died before we ever responded to his call. Who calls to us and says, come out from among them. Be my separated ones, chosen ones. Be holy because I am holy. Do what you do because you seek to emulate me. Dress your nakedness in a manner that reflects my original intent for your body. Think about your body in such a way that it reflects what I meant when I made you in beauty and holiness and nakedness. Guard your mind. Realizing that unlike any other creation, I made you in my image and my likeness. You are the only creation to which I gave that piece of me called choice. The problem is not the symptoms. The problem is, is you've got to be engaged in an ongoing lifestyle of pursuing holiness. You can't ever 
pause it. You can't ever stop it. You can't ever say that's enough. Our world is unhinged in its view and how it thinks of our body. That's why it's willing to display to us in things that we watch things that should never be displayed. Because as Eugene Peterson says, we have degraded our bodies to a place of no respect, a place of extreme immaturity. Our bodies are literally, from the world's perspective, Hours. I can do with this body whatever I want to do. The devil's been pretty slick about it. Because it sounds like a good answer so that women and men are not molested it's my body. Don't touch it. Don't, don't do anything I don't want you to do with it. And yet look around you. How well is it working? How well are we actually showing respect unto one another's body and the integrity of that body? How are we doing? It doesn't look to me like we're doing very well. The abuse of one another is horrendous. Kendall, can I have you help me? I didn't ask you ahead of time, but I, I need your help. You just had a birthday, right? So did I. Yesterday. I'm 47. Are you 35? How old? 13. All right, I want everybody to, I want you to look at Kendall. I'm, I'm sorry, I know that's a little embarrassing, but I want you to look at Kendall right now. This is the world's thinking. We don't, we need freedom. In order to maintain freedom, there's a right to speak. There's a right to freedom of the press. So as a result, my first image of a woman was not my wife. It was of some stick figure drawn in a pornographic magazine 
found in the woods of a nature trail of a school that as best I can tell was at the age of about 10 or 11. Look at Kendall and dear adult tell me how responsible was I? I didn't even know how to figure out what I was looking at. And for all of you that are afraid that I'm about to blow you up, I'm not, but I'm looking at you and telling you, my generation forward, there's not a one of us, whether you're willing to admit it or not, that has not been impacted by the pornographic world we live in. The only hope I had was a holy God that told me there was a different way to think. Thank you, buddy. I am a holiness preacher. Not because I want to run your life. but I don't want to think like this world. I don't want to think like this world. I do not want to think like this world. Rules are not going to cover it. And that is why when you go to the scriptures and look for holiness, despite what any preacher's ever taught you or preached at you, the scriptures are rarely, if at all, application. They're always principles. But the application of those principles can only happen as you take your body that the world says is yours. And you give it to God. It's not yours anymore. It's not yours to look at what you want to look at. It's not yours to listen to what you want to listen to. It's not yours to think about whatever you want to think about. It's not yours to wear whatever you want to wear. It's not yours to undress whenever you want to undress it. It's His. I need my two girls. I did ask their permission. Cassandra, I want you to stand on the other side of me. I can't, I can't really talk directly to you ladies because you're, you're, you're not my daughter, so I hope you can hear me as I say to my girls. I'm terrified of a world who is pumping at the same time message after message 
to both of my girls that there's something wrong with them. Candace has too much. Cassandra has too little. I need to fix this blemish. I need to change this feature. I can, things I can't do for each of you ladies, but I hug my girls always. And I tell them that they're okay and they're good and that God has made them. And that even the imperfections, as this little girl has skin and an immune system that attacks itself, trust God with your body. I tease them and that I love them. I do everything I can to counteract the message of the world. Because the message of the world to men and women is you need to change your bodies. And what you can't change, you need to cover. You need to fake it. You need to add. You need to take away. It's wrong thinking. It's wrong thinking. And because abusers have used this, maybe with right intent or not right intent, spoken in ways that it's easier, but it's wrong to hand you rules, tell you to obey and conform like you're on a job with a dress code. Some of you have come here to this beautiful place and you felt our love and you felt our care. You found the space where we're not all up in your business and we're not pushing on you. And the first time we see you dressed in a way that isn't really holy, but we don't say anything and we love you and we treat you with respect, I'm fearful that you're still letting the world define your thinking. I have to pray because I'm less concerned about my boys and their wives because it's I can make sure my boys are thinking about their wives correctly. But you got to pray for me because I'm terrified about the young men that may decide they want to marry my daughters. I don't know if I'm winning or losing. Dear daughter in the Lord, I don't know if I'm winning or losing. There's no need to put anything on what God has made. There's no need to artificially enhance what God has made. Can you stop for a moment? And just think, why do you have to put a face on 
Stop thinking about it in terms that I'm taking your freedom away. Why do you need to put a face on? Even if your face has something about it, or your body has something about it that was not God's original intent, can you not trust him to save you? Can you not trust him to transform you? Can you not give your body, your heart, your mind, your soul, everything about this physical existence, can you not give it to him? Because the pressure on you ladies is horrendous. And then I appeal to you to be holy and you got more pressure. The only true freedom lies in us giving ourselves wholly and totally to God. Candace, I don't know why God made you the way that he did. But give him your body. Please just trust him. Cassandra, I don't know why God made you the way that he did. But please just trust him. You don't need to do anything to fix anything. Now, there's not a man or a woman in this place that disagrees with my statement to my two daughters. And yet there are those of you, you can sit down, that still feel that you got to fix your hair, or you got to fix your face, or you got to fix your body. Men are under pressure that they've got to have a certain body type. And meanwhile, all of us, from at least my generation down, are fighting with pixels. We're not fighting images of reality. We're fighting images of Pixels generated by computers. I can't hand you a rule book that'll fix all this. I can't get enough rules to fix all this. But I can point you to a God that if you will give your body to him, what you think about, what you listen to, what you do, and how you dress, step by step, change your thinking. And when it changes your thinking, your actions will follow. I'm amazed. Baby, no, I'm sorry if I hurt you with this, but you know we're in this together. I'm amazed because the woman that I love, 
that I'm sexually attracted to, that I've created five children with, and that I love to travel with and spend time with. That body is not what's on pages and web pages. It's a body that's given birth to five children. It's a body that sags and droops. And yet, because I pursue holiness, see, I can't love you and not preach this to you. I know some of you are going to possibly believe, and I don't want you to. But I can't love you and not tell you the world is lying to you. It's lying to you. Because you see, there's more of my story that at a later point I will tell you more about. But I'm amazed every time that I make love to my wife. And I'm attracted to her and I'm looking and I'm going, I, I shouldn't be attracted to this because this doesn't match what the devil said was beauty. But because I've pursued holiness, because I am a holiness person, I'm not perfect. I watch things at times that I shouldn't watch. I hear things I shouldn't hear. I do things I shouldn't do. I'm not talking about having arrived. I'm talking about I have settled in my heart that I will come out from among them and I will be separate from this world. I will not think like this world. I will lay aside the things of this world. God is day by day being faithful. And in a woman that, and you all get mad at me when I say this, but oh well. Because my parents told me, don't choose a woman based on looks. When I married her, I didn't think she was all that hot. Yeah, you feel that? Do you feel that rear up within you? It's the stinking thinking. You are not a body defined by a body. You are a person defined by a God who made you. It's not about your body. That's why he clothed it. Sin has attacked us and it's warped us. My wife is beautiful to me, is attractive to me, not because I'm a preacher, not because I'm moral. No, at the, and sorry if I use the wrong words here, at the base sexual level, she's attractive to me. And half of my brain goes, why? And the other half of my brain goes, thank you, God. Because this could have gone so bad. This could have gone so many other ways. This could have been so messed up. But you in your holiness are transforming my thinking one day at a time, one moment at a time. I don't look at things the way I used to look at them. And I'm not going to even keep looking at them the way I am looking at them now. If there has ever been a generation that cannot afford 
to let up on holiness pursuit. It is this generation. We've got to run hard after it. We've got to lay aside even things that it might even be okay, but it's not okay today. We just don't want to even be near it. We don't even be, want to be touching it. We don't even want to be around it. We want to be transformed in our thinking. Because our girls and our boys trying to be destroyed by the world's thinking. Put up my picture. That's a shirt. That's a chest. And the darker spot in the middle, it's harder to see it, but it's actually an indent. I wasn't going to ask Marcus to come stand on the platform and open his shirt for you, so that's as close as we get. That's his permission, too. Obviously, I didn't hold him down and take the picture. <laughs> when I did take the picture, he says, Dad, we need to crop it some. So we. This has a condition called pectus excavatum. His chest is caved partway in, the way the bones grew. It can be a medical condition because it can constrict the chest cavity and affect the lungs, affect the heart, affect other things like that. And so we, we took him to get medical care, and they, they asked him that wasn't a reality. But then we sat there for about 20 minutes as the doctor danced around the question whether because of society's view of the body, did Marcus need to have a steel bow put into his chest to shove his chest outward? Not for medical reasons, but because if he went swimming without a shirt, he might feel uncomfortable. The doctor was very clear this will be extremely painful. Yet the doctor also felt a responsibility to offer to us the ability to medically treat a condition not needed to be treated simply because our society is fixated on the body. See, ladies and gentlemen, this isn't just about you ladies. This is about us men, too. A rule book's not going to cover all this. Laws and standards are not going to cover all this. But you see, I serve a God who knows you intimately. He knows all of your pains and your hurts. He knows all of your past. He knows what the junk is the world's done to you. He knows what mom and dad have failed to do for you. He knows what society has done to you. He knows what you've been exposed to and what was your fault and what why. He knows everything about you. And this God says, I love you. 
the way that I love my daughters and my sons is God says, I love you. Okay, preacher, what's the point? I'm a holiness preacher. This is a holiness church. And God's calling you to be a holiness person. That's why men are to dress as men and women are to dress as women. Well, what does that mean, preacher? We live in a culture and it's all changed. I know. You see, I do believe if you don't put a pause button on it that God can speak to you. The pastoral team that I talked with and, and struggled with this with, I, because I, I said to them, I said, everything that I know where this has gone right, God is the one who's able to speak to people. They said, yeah, but it doesn't look like he's speaking to people. Well, I know God's not the one having trouble speaking. So this morning, I'm not here to give you a rule book. I'm here to beg you to keep listening to God's voice. And when he asks you to take things off, take them off. When he asks you to stop looking at things, stop looking at them. When he asks you to start listening to certain things and stop listening to other things, do so. When he begins to convict you that your skirt's too short or your body's displayed in a way not appropriate, change it. Say, well, I'm not going to be abused again. I agree. Stay here. We will not abuse you. But I can't say I love you. If I don't appeal to you to pursue holiness, transformation of your thinking that leads to change of your actions. I don't want to tell you how to apply the three lessons on adornment in discipleship classes. I want you and Jesus to apply them. You may say to me, well, I have applied them. Like a doctor, I know the symptoms. Some of you have paused. This is not about timing. This is about day-by-day -day movement. Transformation of our thinking. So we act different. We act in a way that acknowledges this body, what I think about, what I listen to, what I watch, and how I dress and adorn it is not mine. It's his.
This church cannot do what God has called it to do if only the senior pastor is pursuing holiness. This church cannot do what it's called to do if only the pastoral team is pursuing holiness. This church cannot do what it is called to do if only the leadership is pursuing holiness. This church can only do what God has called it to do. We can only recreate for another person what we have each found here ourselves if everybody in here is on the path of pursuing holiness. We'll all be on the path at different spots, but we will every day be making steps forward. We can't stop. The tough part about this sermon is I'm looking at this congregation and saying, both to those present, those watching, and those that may watch in the next few weeks, some of you, in my pastor's heart, have stopped. And I'm begging you, as the Apostle Paul said, I plead with you, Give your bodies to God. Give your bodies to God. If you actually give your bodies to God, God will start leading and guiding you on what you're watching. He'll start leading and guiding you on what you're listening to. He'll start leading and guiding your actions, where you go and who you're with. He'll lead and guide you with regard to your clothing. He'll lead and guide you with regard to your face and your hair and every other aspect. But you got to give your bodies to God. Why? Because when you take that action, you give him permission to begin to transform your thinking. And when you transform your thinking, you turn into a new person that is able to know God's will. It's able to recognize what is good and what is evil, what is pleasing and what is unpleasing, what is perfect and what is imperfect. And you'll be transformed. And to those of you that have grown up in the church, I am sorry for every church that has muddled this. I'm sorry for every permission that has been given by a pastor to do or not to do. I need you to throw it all away. I need you to give your body to God. And when he speaks, do what he tells you to do. say, it's awfully arrogant, Pastor, that you think I haven't already done it. If a medical doctor sees a patient who's bleeding and says, I have a medicine that can fix that, the patient takes the medicine and goes home but declines to take the medicine and comes back and looks at the doctor and says, I'm taking the medicine, but the doctor notices they're still bleeding. 
you wouldn't fault the doctor for looking at the patient and saying, are you sure you're taking the medicine? I'm not judging you. I'm not condemning you. I love every one of you. If I had a means without embarrassing you, I would come and I would target every person. I'm scared to death that I'm driving off right now, and I would hug you in an embrace just like I hug my daughters. I would tell you how much I love you. But you see, there are symptoms that I just know. They're the world's thinking. They're not God's thinking. It's not how he views you. It's not how he made you. And he's calling to you to come out. And for most of you in the sound of my voice, it's not really starting something new. It's simply push play again. Not pause. Play. And let God continue to work. I'm going to make a request here today. It's going to be uncomfortable. I know that I can't force all of you, and in some ways it will mark some of you. But if you're willing to, and don't lie, okay? Don't lie. We're not going to, we're not taking pictures. We're not going to put your pictures on Facebook. We're not going to shame you. We're not going to do anything. But if you're willing to honestly before God Say, God, I will pursue holiness. No strings attached. You speak it, I'll do it. I want to invite you to this altar. I know I don't do this very often, but I invite you to this altar. Probably need to stand because I'm hoping enough people will come that this altar will be full.